This is Match Week. You are joined by myself, Artie Amini. We discuss everything soccer from the highs and the lows in the sporting week to the news that is relevant to you. And we are back. This is Match Week. Guys, we have a very great episode in store for you today. Uh, we have a returning guest. Hey, guys, say hi to Besmir. Besmir, what's up, man? Long time no see. It's I know. It's episodes. a pleasure to be back. It's a pleasure to be back. I've been waiting for this moment since the last podcast. I'm going to continue to argue the fact that there's no reason I should have had the shortest podcast. So, you know, it I'm was, back. It was, it was the studio time. We the, the people running the studio kicked us out. We had no choice. Um, well, no. well I, I, I'm not going to say anything other than I'm just happy you brought me on with the other guest that's on tonight uh today i'm gonna let it go because i'm on with him so we'll let it slide we'll let it slide oh uh, so for those of you who are uh new to the podcast your first episode this is besmir zuda he is the uh, head coach at njfc runs the whole entire shtick he's also the uh the uh, owner of co-owner of uh, ita sports uh our proud sponsor uh obviously you guys have seen in my little mini ads i've been doing so far yes i know i look phenomenal and thank you so much i appreciate it guys and then uh today we're also we're also joined by a, ve- a very special guest honestly um uh, his name is arjend imini yeah let's just ignore the similarity in last name please um <laughs> his name's arjend imini he's at the head athletic trainer for the rebels youth academy correct that's correct yeah so uh i i, I thought like since we're talking about uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about like managers and like sort of like the new guys and how they're doing in the prem and stuff like that. I thought I'd bring someone on who's experienced in working at a professional level. So, are we excited for the topic today? Are we ready? You guys ready to go? Yeah, I'm excited to get in depth about this. It'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, I uh, I have a couple uh, I have a couple things to say on some of these new guys. So I'm excited to go go forward with this. Sure, for sure. Now, just to start off, as uh, obviously some of the viewers know, me and Besmir were avid Premier League viewers, right? Like, we are diehard Chelsea fan in Besmir, then diehard United fan in me. And we have Arj over here, who sort of is like the alternative guy, right? He's the he's the Forza Milan type guy. He loves a Serie You want to go more into that, Arj, or are we going to go straight to the top? Listen, AC Milan, right? You're talking about the Italian League, and you're talking about how defense wins championships. Your boy, Sir Alex Ferguson, said it himself, so that's how I'm going to leave it. Well, I mean, that man that man had Nani playing left back at one point, so it was like the man did anything any, anything he wanted. It didn't really matter, so that, that was Sir he, Alex for you. He won a match with one forward, one goalkeeper, and nine defenders, so I think it was eight defenders, nine defenders. I mean, listen. I think, don't we? Doesn't, isn't that how we win all of our indoor games? Yeah, no, just, the, j- just about. I mean... <laughs> I sit at the back, hope for the best going forward. Hey, counter attack, counter attack, counter attack. But then, but but then your one forward just can't finish. I wonder who that guy is. <clears throat> no, no, it's it, it's typically me finishing from like half field, so that's fine. It works okay, out you well. You did it twice, yeah. twice over a span of eight months. Whoop de doo, bro. And then I have to figure out how to save every little thing for you guys because what's what's defense when we play indoor? <laughs> yeah, what? Let's defense? get no let's get into bad. the topic because then we'll be stuck on this indoor indoor travel. That, story yeah, that that's a, that's a whole other podcast on its own. Um, so today we're gonna be talking about 
how the new managers in the Premier League are faring and how some of the new guys that are being rolled in right now are going to fare with uh, the likes of like Steven Gerrard, uh, Antonio Conte, Claudio Ranieri, and so on. So we're just going to go into that step-by-step, team-by-team, see how they're going to fare out, whether they're going to help their team get that top table finish or even top four for some of them, or they're, if they're going to get relegated. And if they get relegated, what are they going to do with that team, right? Like, are they going to be able to manage? So at first we have a big choice in my opinion. I felt like this is really risky from Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard, right? So Gerrard, as we all know, probably a phenomenal center mid, right? For sure. He's third in the pecking order when it comes to Frank Lampard and uh, Paul Scholes, right? Like he's like right under those two. Well, yeah, I got Paul Scholes number one. I love you, Bess, but Paul, yeah, Paul, Paul Scholes, yeah, Scholes, bro. Come on, Besso, you gotta agree with us on this one. Yeah, I mean the fact that I mean, however you'd like to measure a midfielder, whether it's goals, assists, trophies, and accolades, and like Lampard, most complete, the best goal scoring midfielder in history. But let's not get into this. That's, well, this, yeah, that's yeah, a whole other Scholes, podcast Scholes on has, its own. Has the most like. Uh, most like trophies to his name, and he could ping a ball better than any person on the planet. You can't tell me that. Um, well, if he was as great a passer as people say, he he wouldn't be. You know, he he's a second rate uh, Chavi or Iniesta. I mean, there are yeah, people Chavi who pass the ball better than Scolzi. They're better this, than him, though. Like, yeah, they, well, that's just them being than... humble. Chavi and Iniesta are the best pa- duo midfield duo in history, and yeah, I hate yeah, Barcelona yeah. to an extent. You know. Nobody scores goals in the midfield like Frank Lampard. You know, Steven Gerrard was great and all. I love the I love the guy, but come on. No nobody strikes nobody strikes a ball from distance like Frank Lampard. But anyway. I know best we um, say this all the time. No one hits the ball better than Mikel, so I don't know if I can trust your opinion, bro. Well, yeah, well, I'm not gonna comment on that. They're easily second and third behind me. I mean, um, when, you're, when you're talking about Gerrard and uh, you know, again the Acevilla appointment, it's pretty interesting in the fact that young guy, I mean Scottish. Well, he's what, really 41 years old. For managerial position, and you know, you're coming from Rangers and then going to Aston Villa. Listen, it's. I, I don't believe it could correlate that easily, but excited to see what he does with his, you know, his regular four three three, or that he also does that four two three one. Correct. Uh yeah yeah, for sure. Uh, because the thing is with uh Gerard, the way how we see a lot of these managers when like they go from player to manager, they sort of reflect their playing style into their style of coaching, right? So if they were known as like a attacking possessions-based style of like football, they're going to put that into their team, right? They're going to be possession-based, pass the ball around, but be high up in the field, right? They're not going to sit back and just like hold the ball and just like take it, take it, take it. Like they're going to try to spread out wide, push forward, possess the ball and just attack. And we see that a lot with like, for example, Gerard in his own like playing career, right? Because right now all we have is this, few seasons at like rangers where we only know like that x amount where more so people can only relate to his actual playing career like and how like he played there because he had a very very long stint at liverpool yeah i mean i would jump in and say what i'm excited to see is the what lampard had the effect lampard had at chelsea in that steven gerrard is going to draw you some big name players uh, even even to Aston Villa, which in its own right is a large club, but it's not one of the big six or seven in England. So the one thing I think Ster- uh, Steven Gerrard will attract to Aston Villa is I wouldn't be surprised if it was a couple of the older, uh, you know, living legends or, you know, so- some of the best of their generation who 
might want one last go of it in England in the Prem. Um, you know, he might bring in someone who's going to be a little more experienced. Uh, I have no one that I can name off the top of my head that I think he might be going for. But, I mean, people, Ben Chilwell said at Chelsea, you know, he was a fullback wanted by a bunch of different clubs. He goes, I got a call from Frank Lampard. He goes, a, Frank, a call from Frank Lampard means something, you know, especially to a young English international. I think Steven Gerrard has that same effect. And the quality of players he'll bring into Aston Villa will probably make more of a difference than it did at Chelsea because Chelsea has its own natural draw, the top talent. But when Steven Gerrard comes calling, you know, I think there's going to be a nice little influx of players, especially especially players that will help fill the void left by uh, by Jack Grealish. So, you know, I think uh, Aston Villa is going to... I think I think it was a smart... It's an exciting... I'm going to say it's an exciting... Um, addition to their club brings yeah, Gerard in for for sure because as we all know about Villa, right? They're not like some like mediocre bottom table team anymore, right? Like they're very well run. Their their um their director of football is a very like well run man. Like people were really excited about their transfers in the summer too, because like yeah, they sold Grealish hundred million, a lot of money coming in, but they got three as a lot of people perceived to be very solid players, right? You brought in Leon Bailey from Leverkusen, who's been high performing, high attacking. Someone who could bring in that pace, but lately has been suffering from injuries, hasn't really adjusted properly. Then you have a Danny Ings who's guaranteeing you at least 50, 15 goals a season for a club. And that's something that they needed. And then they also had, had brought in Emiliano Buendia, who is phenomenal at like playing on that right side, but cutting in, playing in that central role more so, like attaching that attack, sort of like what Grealish did through the left side, except on that right flank, which was uh, really, really interesting. And then... They also still had the likes of Ali Watkins, right? Who was someone they brought from uh, Brentford, I think in January, if I'm not mistaken. They brought him in from Brentford, bought him. He's had so far an, a fun time at Aston Villa. And we see that the team's strong, but their biggest weakness, I would have to say, is that defense, right? Because they have a phenomenal goalkeeper in Emiliano Martinez, who had an electric Premier League season last season. I think he was, I think, third in the league for saves and like clean sheets. The only two people ahead of him, I I think it was just Ederson, and then it was Mendy as he got to Chelsea. That's how they did the stat. It was Mendy when he got to Chelsea, Ederson was up top, and then it was Martinez, which just goes to show how lethal he is in the net. So do you guys think that Gerard will be able to manage that team into either improving that defense or to be able to tell them in January of which players to bring in? To improve that team. Well, it's probably going to be a mixture of both, right? Because he's going to want guys that are he's familiar with in his system, he's had success with. So I can see him bringing a Scottish person from you know from Rangers coming in through the ranks there. And even one of those like experienced midfielders like you guys were just talking about in the Premier League, like a Jack Wilshire. I can see that kind of that type of signing happening. You know, that's a veteran. He's been through some pretty good games and brings that attacking football to the sense. And then when you talk about the playing style, right? I hope he uses the four-two-three-one more than the four-three-three. Um, it's just one of my one of my favorite favorite formations to use for some reasons. You know, I love the two holy midfielders there. Uh, and again, when you're talking about defensively, what that shape is in a four-two-three-one, we're looking at what you're looking at four at the back, uh, three, and then two under that nine, right? So there's almost like two tens, and then the three midfielders, and you have the four defenders. So it just all depends. But you know, when they're going forward. You're gonna you're gonna put yourself up for those counterattacks, and it's just how how do you balance that out? And you know, so you're gonna have 
you'll have three at the back, right? You'll have your six and your two center backs. You want to push those full backs up wide, right? And then uh, have that eight, eight push forward with those with those two tens, if you want to call them, and that nine. So curious to see what he does with that and curious to see what he brings in. But again, he's they're, they're aggressive. If you've watched Rangers, they press hard, which is the, the running theme of the Premier League now with the big three and, you know, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Liverpool playing that aggressive press um and not really that that zonal de- defense that we see in a 4-4-2 which we'll discuss later yeah um absolutely the one thing i'll have to say though is that i think who they have it's like Kansa and house i think are decent like center backs i think they will do a decent job it's just they've had their struggle with bringing in tyron minks who i think is tyron mings who i think is personally an overrated center back for villa because they say he's really good at clearing the ball and playing the ball at his feet but if you look at how he's been playing and his stats, he's sort of been doing the opposite, right? Like Villa have been struggling to be <laughs> clearing take. the ball from <laughs> Villa have been have been struggling to clear the ball from their own defensive third. He has been struggling to get any completed passes together from the back. And no offense to Matt, Matty Target, right? Who on the left flank has been decent. Like he's a he's your average Premier League center back. He's not a world beater, but he gets the job done. He's just he's not doing what needs to be done for that team because. Their right sided the right side of the part of the defense is better in a Matty Cash and a House. I love Matty Cash. Matty, he just switched yeah. to the Polish national team, so we're gonna see a lot more of him on the international stage. Um, As he should. Yeah, for sure. And then we're also on the left side. They really struggle a lot. But then the midfield, I think the midfield is where they're most stocked because they have players like Nakamba, Douglas Luiz, John McGinn. I love myself some John McGinn. What a player. Um, that I think that's the one thing they might need. Uh, they either are gonna need a really strong like CDM sit back, just be a brute, or they're gonna need someone to play well with McGinn because McGinn's a very well balanced box to box midfielder who is who I think personally can make it onto most Premier League teams with how he plays. We've seen it for how he does it on the international stage for Scotland. We see how well he's performed against many Premier League teams. I think they need to find someone who compliments him very well, which is what Jack Grealish did. Oh, I think Gerard's going to bring the confidence, bud. You know, and Bessel will touch on that, but, you know, you're, you're going to have a down season when everything around you is not going well, the manager gets sacked, and you don't have that confidence. You don't, you don't know what's going on behind the dressing room, right? So with well, yeah. What, in. what was a struggle for Villa, from what I know, is that they lost two of their assistants. Like, uh, Dean Smith's main assistant coach had left two days before the season started. And then Steven Gerrard had left a month before the season started because of uh, some some backroom difficulties that was never really discussed. But losing those two key uh, staff members made a really big difference within this Villa side season as we see so far. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see what happens, right? We look at the first match under Steven Gerrard. Right, you come out against Brighton, who, realistically speaking, has been playing out of their skin. I mean, well, top Potter half of the Prem has been organizing a phenomenal he, team. Yeah, brilliant. Right, you come out, you beat them two 0 convincingly. You know, they, uh, I think they had Ramsey, the twenty year old, playing in there, twenty twenty one. Right, young kid. You know, you're able to call, if I'm not mistaken, actually young is back at Villa, right? Yeah. But- um, <laughs> So, but being able, but being able to it doesn't matter. Call, actually, young is again. We just spoke about that when Bessel brought that, that experience. Up. That experience, man. You know, um, 
Ashley Young, you being a United supporter is what I it love is. Him. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love Ashley Young. But uh, Ashley it, Ashley Young is what Danny Alves is at Barcelona right now in that the experience Steven Gerrard knows he has someone in the locker room who's going to going to make sure, you know, and I, I'm almost certain they've crossed paths with the English national team. They're only four, uh, four, uh, three, four, five years apart in age, right? Yeah. They've crossed paths. He knows he has an an ally. He has a supporter. You know, for someone like me, who you know coaches a million and a half teams, you know all these players, knowing that if things are going well, everyone, everything's everyone's always happy. Everything's going well. You're winning. When you start to lose, results aren't going your way. You need someone to say, hey, you know what? Listen, it's not the manager. It's not whatever. It's not any, any single person's fault. We're in this together. Ashley Young offers that to Steven Gerrard. And I wouldn't be surprised, like I said earlier, if Steven Gerrard goes and grabs a couple more veterans, right? Villa's a, Villa's a pretty uh, young team. You know, Tuan Zebe is on the bench uh, in and out of the lineup here and there. Okay. You know, you have Ramsey. You have Mahdi Cash is only, what, 24? You know, so they're not the most experienced side. So being able to, you know, have those vets in the locker room really helps steady a ship if if there's rough waters. I think I think that's where they played a role though in the in the assistant coaching staff. That's where like instead of having to rely on Ashley Young, who I, I personally don't think that like I don't think he's a terrible player. It's just he's getting he's too old. Like he's made performances in the Prem so far this season, the Carabao Cup, and he's just he's lost his he's lost his pacing. He can't keep up anymore. He was never a defender to begin with. He was forced there to find a place so just, in the league. But you see, but listen to my point. So, but yeah, go that's, ahead, go that's, ahead. Where, that's where they had gotten it from, let's say, a John Terry, right? John Terry was that guy who was training with the team as his assistant coach with them side by side, helping them out. At one point, he was, what, a player manager, if I'm not mistaken? Like, he, he was in involved with that team. And losing that, I think, is more crucial than trying to replace it with, let's say, an Ashley Young, who was never a real leader to begin with. Yeah, well, from what I believe, he also he did wear the armband at United for a bit. Also, United has been a joke at, for God at, knows how long. At Vill- but still, listen, you're still, you're still, the, you, he still wore the armband at arguably one of the, the largest clubs in the world. You know, not arguably, it is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yep. You know, and that you know when you walk out into the Theater of Dreams, Old Trafford, and there's a, a packed stadium yelling, you know, at you because you're probably losing if you're Manchester United nowadays. You know, well, it, it says something to, to have that pressure on your shoulder. Now, I laughed because you you were speaking about him losing his pace and that extra step. Remember, his manager now, Steven Gerrard, same thing happened to him. What they do, they just put put him in the six. So Steven Gerrard couldn't, uh, couldn't drive like he used to, couldn't... Uh, couldn't push forward, couldn't provide the energy. They just they just parked him at the six and had him uh, pull a Pirlo out of the back. Yeah, but isn't, um, isn't that where the famous slip came from, Besso? Oh, totally. But that that that's just uh, some bad luck. I mean, listen, I'll take that every day of the week. But I uh, I'm, I'm optimistic for Steven Gerrard and this Villa side. I think they I think they finish kind of right where they are right now, twelfth to fifteenth position. They'll they'll have a, a decent January window. Go into the summer, probably draw in some, you know, no, no, no huge superstars, but the kind of quality of player that a John McGinn gives you or a Danny, uh, a Danny Ings, right? Who, you know, they're going to give you consistent, reliable performances in the Prem. And that, and that's what they need. Bill is not going to be competing for the Premier League title. I'm sorry to say it, you know, uh, unless, no, unless they, the they have a, that, bro, they'll be so upset to discover listen, this information. 
Listen, unless they have a Newcastle takeover, they're not competing for the Prem uh, title. Eight to 12th place, man. That's where they're going. And that's great for them. You know, maybe they squeak into a Europa, uh, what's called, uh, a UEFA Conference League spot or a Carabao Cup final or an FA Cup final, right? But realistically speaking, Steven Gerrard, I believe, will be able to help them attract kind of players that will be that will lead to them having successful seasons to their standards yep. with no disrespect to villa oh, you yeah, know they're sure. i said they're a huge club finishing eighth 12th place is very respectable in the prem and for them i, th- I think they'll achieve it next season with us Steven gerrard i think they'll finish 10th to 15th this season you know maybe up a couple spots next season yeah totally um i mean yep. speaking of right. of clubs that were in danger of being eighth to 12th let's move on to tottenham right guys um they have they were in danger of it. They really were. But with Antonio Conte coming, I'm I'm a little worried as a United fan, right? He was linked with Manchester United, but personally, I didn't think like the like you know the glove didn't fit. I felt like he belonged to a team where they, he benefited way more defensively. And right now, we see this sort of now where he's been getting the results in the Conference League. He's trying to grind it out uh, with the Prem coming up. What do we feel like? How are we thinking about Conte? Because he's well-known, right? He's had a plethora of jobs that we're familiar of him with. Uh, what, what do we see with Conte coming up with Tottenham right now? Again, you're going to bring... I, I hope... It, again, he made that mistake when he first um, was hired by Chelsea, right? He stuck to the 4-2-3-1. Didn't work out, right? They lost... What was it? They uh they lost one, drew two, or something like that, or drew, no, lost two, drew one, and you know they had that Arsenal game that's that three nil, three nil loss early in the season. And then he finally went back to his his regular three five two or three four three, just depending on his personnel. But I think the personnel that year was uh was it Costa, Hazard, Pedro, uh, uh Marcus Alonso, Moses, Matic, Abregas, Abregas, um. Okay. In the back was Aspilicueta, uh, David Luiz, and uh, there was one other guy I can't remember right now. It was now, Cahill. But... It was Gary Cahill. Was it Cahill? Yeah. Beast of a player, but anyway. Yeah, anyways. So, I, again, that obviously gives you that defensive shape, right? But then we also talking about how to attack with that. But then again, you had an unbelievable squad, right, in, in that sense. And the best part of it, and I think the most important position in that formation, right, is that that actual sweeper or the start of the attack, that center back and David Luiz, right, able to spray the ball wherever it needed to go, um, and he would push up to attack, right. So you're you're really looking at like a two five five three, right. That's what you're. It's what you're really looking at, and that gave the ability for what was it, Marcus Alonso and Moses to really stay wide and hug that line the entire time. Um, and gave Hazard and Pedro that that inside false nine movement in that area, almost just playing like two tens, basically. I mean, if you really want to break it down to the best way, playing as two tens, and obviously Hazard is able to free roam a little bit more, and Diego Costa is just a hunter in the box. I mean, when you're providing that much width and that crossing ability in that sense, uh, you know, it's tough to beat in that mm-hmm. in that area, and that's where they found success with. You got to have that that left side of center back, that right side of center back to hold down the fort while that that center. Uh, and if you want to call it a three or two, whatever you want to call it, is able to push up into the midfield and really engage in that attack. Or again, because you got to have some coverage, right? Because if you're looking at it with those two fullbacks wide and you're having Hazard, Pedro, Diego Costa, Matic is going to go forward a little bit, right? Conte is going to clean it up at the back with whoever that center back is. So, you know, that that'll the attacking style will look like for Tottenham in that sense. That's what 
he should emulate, you know, again, but defensively, they've been a mess, right? Tottenham, we've seen these big score lines and you know, not so great cohesiveness in the defense, but I think Conte will, will really be able to kind of fix that. It, it takes time because he's not your usual pressing type of uh, manager. He plays a zonal defense, right? They don't counter press. They don't uh, aggressively press. Uh, they let they can either slightly come in, build the pressure, and they go back to the conventional, um, what was it, five... It's almost like five at the back, and then four, and then one. That's, that's usually his defensive shape. So they don't ag- aggressively press and counterpress. They just come back down and get into their cohesiveness as a group. Because one thing, yeah, I, uh, I think the one tool that Conte has, like, like advanced to right now on him is a player like Christian Romero, right? He was someone at Atalanta who was that, like, ball-winning, pushing up forward, like, getting that ball out, getting into the CDMs. I think he's going to love a player like him to help really sure up that defense. But uh, I think he's going to struggle trying to organize his fullbacks, right? Because he, he has a Royal Emerson and a Tanganga still who are two uh, really, like, well-versed uh, right backs, in my opinion. But he's, um, he's, getting, he's having, like, a slight issue readjusting Ben Davies back into that team. Uh, because not right now he's seeing like off form with um, uh, uh, oh why am I blanking the Spanish left back from Tottenham? Oh, uh, uh, Reguilón. Yeah, Reguilón. Reguilón's been struggling ever since Conte came in now because he's like again these two left backs they're not used to Conte. Why is system. why is he gonna why are they gonna struggle? Oh no, I'm just saying from what the very obvious it happened the last time he was at Chelsea when his fullbacks was to struggle. Well, I, I was just saying because the one thing that we've noticed is that um that Regulon he he's not really the best defensively and he reminds me more of like a Marcus Alonso a problem. P- pushing up. But then but then again for Chelsea, that's that's where he that's where a lot of his like great playing style would come in because he would have an Alonso go up and just make attacking plays and either a Matic or a Conte would fill in that spot for him though. Hey, best so, I'm gonna say right now, Alonso's not a great defender. No, but he's he horrendous. Get the job done. Regulon, on the other hand, is just not getting the job done defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i an Antonio Conte fan. Um, the passion, the fact that when he arrived at Chelsea, he had a squad of players that weren't, they, they were hit or miss, inconsistent. You know, we were going through a bit of a rough patch, right? Antonio Conte comes in, and besides Juve, who else was playing with three at the back at the time? Three center backs, right? No one. Antonio Conte comes in, shows, you know, Europe and the rest of the world. I mean, you have you have club teams here in the United States at the youth level playing three center backs all of a sudden because they see the success you can have. You know, uh, the issue is a lot of teams don't have the right personnel to play that formation and to play that system. But at Chelsea, he had it. Right, he had all the pieces he needed to play that play that system. Mark Alonso, defensively suspect at times, yes. However, wh- whoever whoever wants to argue about Mark Alonso not being arguably the best wing back we've seen in a very long time, it's, it's what he does. He's put the ball on his left foot. He's gonna he's gonna make something happen. Um, you know the one beauty i think of in this spurs squad for conte is the guy up top playing the nine at chelsea successful with diego costa someone who 
can check in, hold up the ball, somebody who can finish if you put the ball in the box. You know, uh, at Inter last season, Romelu Lukaku got the job done. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, outscored Cristiano Ronaldo in the league. Um, you, the way easy. how we did it is that... Take it easy. No, 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 hold on. I'm going to take Oh, no, sorry. Ronaldo outscored him, but he... Listen, he will, okay. Sorry, Lukaku. The one, the one thing I will say though, is that is that the way our Conte system works, he benefits from having someone who is either playing as like two strikers or someone who's like wide playing as a secondary striker. So for Chelsea, he had that Hazard, and for Inter, he had that Martinez. Right, Martinez and Lukaku were that partnership for him. And with, with well, Chelsea, we saw that two a lot. Two tens, with, man. Two tens. Pedro and Hazard. Two tens. Yeah, but well, we, yeah, we, we saw most of the goals come from Diego Costa and Hazard. That's the point I'm so, trying to make right now. So, so, so for them, we saw it Inter. We saw Martinez at, and Lukaku. At Spurs, the way I picture working is Hoiberg or I mean, Del. I'd love to see Dele Ali come back in and play next to Sonny uh, behind Harry Kane uh, in in the in the double ten position. The only thing I look at, I look at this Spurs team, and there's four, five players that I'd say, all right, can probably play on other squads in Europe's, you know, top teams. But you look at the back line, right? And with no disrespect to them, you know, they're they're, they're quality players. But are they players you can look at and say, wow, they deserve to be in the top four? You know, look at United, who's in a rough patch. You, you have Rafael Varane as kind of player playing in the center back role. Now, Harry Maguire has his critics and whatnot. But Harry, I, I take Harry Maguire, Veron, and uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Luke Shaw over the defenders available at Spurs right now. You know, it's Eric Dyer can play that center center back role. Yeah, he's great with the ball, but he, he's the slowest center back uh, in that squad. You know, Ben Davies just getting readjusted to that team. You that. know, I think Antonio Conte is going to raid Serie A. He's... Daniel Levy is going to have to open up his checkbook come this January, come the summer. Otherwise, I think, you know, I think they're a Europa League quality side right now. You know, there's just too much competition in the Prem. And everyone's already seen Antonio Conte's system. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a Chelsea supporter. You know, we, we run the, the three center backs right now. And we've and Thomas Tuchel. Though. He does it way differently. He, he, he does it differently. Yeah, but they have the personnel. Spurs, on the other hand, I, I just don't see them having the quality player, A. And B, I just don't think Ponte's style, uh, style is going to suit them in the back half of the pitch. Going forward, you know, Bergwijn, you know, Hoiberg, Deli Ali, all the, Sonny, Harry Kane, even Lucas, if you want to throw him out there, I think they'll do well going forward. But in terms of at the back, I think they're going to leak goals that they shouldn't be leaking, you know. Um, recently, what was it, uh, Leeds 2-1, you know. Yeah. Not a horrible result. But look at some of the other teams uh, in, in the league. When, you know, they go play it. Chelsea just beat Leicester comfortably after beating Juve in the Champions League 4-0 now, you know. The, the other teams in England are really starting to pull away. The Liverpools, the Cities. Spurs have to get their act together, or they're going to face the same demise uh, Arsenal uh, Arsenal has with Arteta. Now you're bringing Antonio Conte, in, who's more experienced, and somebody who's turned ships around before. It's I'm very skeptical to think they're going to get near the top four for the next year or two. I you know, the I think biggest, they're a Europa League side. Yeah. I think the biggest issue with Spurs was that in the summer they wanted Conte, but they didn't give him the option to buy players. They said checkbooks off the table. 
You have to work with the team we had. And he said no. And this time around, supposedly, Daniel Levy has said, like, okay, look, you're going to have, like, $100 million, $150 million to spend in January. Get whoever you think is the best option right now to help us out to get us out of this rut. But realistically, do you guys think $100 million, $150 is enough for this team right now? Because you have a Harry Kane who doesn't want to play for Spurs anymore, unmotivated. You have a son who's who is the only real attacking outlet right now with Lucas Mora finally coming back into that groove. You have a midfield where they they can't decide who they want to play because they have the option of La Celso, Hoytberg, Indombele. Um, I'm I don't to... see this working out long term. Long um, unless unless yeah, not Levy, even two years. Not uh, even two unless years. Un, unless Levy lets him do what he wants to do with that team and clear players out. Nothing's gonna change. Nothing. Tottenham, Tottenham's too English for that. You know I mean? it, it, yeah. If if I'm Antonio Conte, I sit there and I look at it and and say. Let Harry Kane leave. He probably goes. Yeah, he probably goes to a city. You're not going to stop that. A city. Hundred mil though, man. Try to sell. Try try to sell him somewhere. You know, maybe you you push him off on a Real Madrid or somewhere else. He probably ends up at City. You know, we've all conceded that City needs a nine. Harry Kane is is the perfect kind of nine to suit Guardiola, help him make a Champions League push. Um, If if I'm into, yeah, you get a great fee. Add an extra hundred million to your to your uh, transfer budget. I look at it and think Antonio Conte needs to clean house, right? Son and Lucas behind Harry Kane is okay. Do I think they're world beaters? Sonny's great. Harry Kane's great. But I just don't think they provide the right kind of attributes. You know, it's not the right, not the attributes necessary, right? Um, I, I think he raids someone like Inter struggling financially. Go, go take a couple players you're comfortable with out of Inter. Go to some of these other uh, Serie A sides that have, you know, these gems. Of young talent right now. Gems. Serie A is full of them. I mean, look at someone like a Locatelli, right? Oh, out. You know, he's he's unreal. And Locatelli is one of many you can, you can go out and find in Serie A. 23 uh, You know, you can do the same in the Bundesliga, you know? There's a lot of these players you can go and pick up in their early 20s that have years of top flight experience you can bring into the prem relatively cheap you know a lot of these bundesliga sides will sell to spurs instead of waiting for their best way to get bought by bayern leverkusen's got one gem they should get immediately you know what i mean you had that leverkusen connection with son already yeah you've got you've got Lodian Wirtz ready to just get out of there and break out i think in my opinion he he, no he's phenomenal and worried for Wirtz because it's either he's going to end up like a Havertz or a Brandt. A Julian Brandt has been underperforming for Dortmund since he, since he like, you know, has, like, left, who's been, like, struggling to solidify his place in that Dortmund team. Or he's going to strive like a, like a Havertz, right? Like, find his role in a big team, play really well. But it's, 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 it's too soon to say for him to leave her Leverkusen right away, right? Well, and he's young, right? I mean... Some people will say Havertz has struggled to adapt to life in England. I, I'd argue, say, you know, he still needs to be given some time, um, especially playing in a system where you're not always going to get consistent playing time with Thomas and Tuchel. He's, not, he's never in his and, position. He's a right midfielder. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it's 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 hard. He's so struggle significantly. I I'm going to say give him time, but I'm going to back it and say, you know what, Spurs need not an overhaul, but they they need another Hoiberg. They need they need players like that. You know, Ho- Hoiberg is a phenomenal player. Phenomenal. 
there's many more of those kind of players available where on, on 150 million, you can go grab three, four players that are going to get the job done and solidify some spots, yeah, right? They're not going to be 80 sure. million pound purchases like Harry Maguire, but they'll get the job done. Yeah. I mean, speak about getting the job done. Let's talk about Watford and getting the job done against United. Am I right? Uh, what a rough game. What a rough game. But Claudio Ranieri, we see it right now. He just took over for Watford and he's been, he's been putting in a great shift with them, right? Like we know his experience before he's won the Prem with Leicester that, unbelievable season unpredictable the was it 4,000 to one odds against Leicester to win it um and like he's a very experienced manager right he's like 70 years old he's been in the game for a long time he's won multiple multiple titles um he's a very well-known coach so what what are we feeling about him at Watford can I throw in the fact that like I've never met someone that doesn't like Claudio Ranieri he's such a likable guy I know he's you know what a guy He's the Angolo Conte of managers. Nobody hates Conte. Nobody hates Ranieri. Ranieri can beat you in a in a World Cup final with you know coaching, you know San Marino, and, and you're gonna oh, applaud the guy. You know that, that 2004 he's, semifinal. Oh man, he's Ranieri. He Ranieri's he's just one of those guys who, if you have the talent. What he brings in personality to a side, yeah, yeah. He he's going to make a club and its players and its staff. He's going to bring a feel good environment, which is often lacking in some of these prem sides. Where at Wofford, yeah. they had the talent. You know, they had they had the players for it. Bringing someone like Ronier, I think, was was top, top, top decision from the board. He he. Listen, we've spoken about to try you know, to play. It's, you know, he, he's probably going to jump into this four four two. He's going to hit you on the counter. Yeah. But his team is going to get the job done. And, and honestly, they're going to have a great time doing it. You know, they're not going to have to sit there and struggle and sit back and hope for the best. You know, they're going to press you once in a while. They're going to sit a little deeper. You're, you're going to try to you're going to try to play your way through them. They're going to be strong off the ball, strong on the ball. They're going to punish you when they can, you know, and all around Wofford has a solid squad. Agreed. From Definitely from agreed. keeper forward, you know, Ranieri, I think he's there for the long term. I think Watford will remain mid-table for years to come under Ranieri, especially if they can continue to pull in the kind of names they're pulling. It doesn't shock me he, he, had, he had a big win at United. I think yeah. any team that underestimates Watford it's is going to feel the same time. thing. 100%. Yeah, anyone, anyone that underestimates that man and the, the attractive style of football he plays is going to get burned, right? I mean, we, speak, we just spoke about it with the counterattacking style that he likes to use and you know it's very direct and over the top i mean he had that success with Vardy and mares i mean how quick they were and how ready they were on an instant right because when you're into that low it's not really a low block right it's just it's kind of sitting in there having everyone play in front of the defense i wouldn't say it's a low block where they're sitting in the goal almost um and then it just set up as a 4-4-1-1 and mares would just hang out under Vardy, right but then next thing you know you lose the ball and Vardy and Mares are on the run and they're rampantly quick. And that's what he's going to use and that's what he's going to use to his advantage and expose teams with is just that rampant pace. And and again, it's what they do defensively is great because they're they're zonal. Again, he's similar to Conte. Bessel just said it right now. They're going to press a little bit, not too much because they want you to play into them, right? 
So they, they like to use that zonal, that zonal defense or get into those passing lanes, cut off that passing lanes, and then transition immediately into that counterattacking style. So he's done it everywhere, and he'll continue to do it. And again, Watford, less expectations. He's had a little bit of a rough patch. Sampdoria last year, and it wasn't great. Um, so, you know, he's, he just needs a little bit of a rebound. I think Watford's the team. Similar to Aston Villa, 8th to 12th place. I was about to ask you, Arch, because yeah. so far he's had these, like, small stints in, like, a Sampdoria, a Roma, and then even before that, like, a Nantes and, like, a Fulham. And, like, we know the Leicester City Ranieri, right? The way how he built that club up. But then we also know this, um, this Ranieri who's sort of been struggling from, like, 2017 onward to, like, put together solid teams that, like, want to play the football he wants, to get the players that he wants. Do we see this changing at a Watford? Because we know they have talent. They have a Joshua King who's been performing well. They have the likes of uh, uh, Saar on the wing who's doing great. Emmanuel Dennis has been phenomenal. You have the likes of a Kong, uh, a young Nigerian defender coming up. And then you also have the cycling GK himself, Ben Foster, you know, like a guy oh, who's... Love that, man. Love that, man. Uh, uh, he's a well, very well-experienced goalkeeper trying to, you know, like, flow that team through, giving them, like, that way through. Um, do we think that he'll be able to properly stabilize this club? Or is he going to have to be worried for a relegation dogfight or maybe have to bring them back up from the EFL? I don't think This so. is what I like. This is what I like in their side. Look at the team that beat United, right? Cleverly playing next to Sissoko, just ahead of Luza. I can't pronounce his name. Luza, Lauza. 23, 22-year-old player in behind an experience cleverly in Sissoko, Mm -hmm. right? You have a good mix of talent, experience, youthfulness, and and, and it's like that with the rest of the team, right? Ben Foster. In the correct positions, though, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the the wingers are young, skillful, pacey, good delivery from wide areas. You know, Joshua King, who, once again, he is a Danny Ings kind of player. He's going to grab you goals, right? And if I'm not mistaken, they, they, they have a Chicharito on the uh, – they pull up off the bench, right? Um, I believe Javier, uh, Javier Hernandez is on their uh, roster, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, it's not – it's no, Chucho no. Hernandez. Yeah, Chucho. I was Sorry. Say, yeah, uh, Chucho. Yeah, he's, he's still at LA. Don't Galaxy, mind it. No, I was about to say. No, I, I, I was just watching uh, U.S. national team, uh, Mexico uh, – I was watching some of the greatest matches and stuff. I was looking up some of their uh, games recently. Um, I hate and love Javier Hernandez at the same time. But so they have Chucho. They have they have you know a good mix, a very good mix. Now the question is, can they bring in the players necessary to help transition the older block of players out and kind of bring in a new era of youthfulness? Right? Because Ben Foster's not getting any younger. I love everything he has to do with social media, but he's he's what in his mid to late thirties, thirty seven, thirty eight. You also, know, does, he's also hinting at a stint in the MLS at the end of the season, right? Like he's mentioned it once or twice. He thinks he wants to just go to America for a few seasons, and then boom, that'll be his career. You know, so I we we don't which, know. Right? Great for him, yeah, it's great for him. I think Ben Foster is once again an actually young type of player. You know, Ben Foster just happens to be better in his position in his role right now and a better just a better goalkeeper than Ashley Young is. Winger, fullback, whatever you want to call him. Um, with no disrespect to Ashley Young. You know, but Ranieri knows he can turn to Ben Foster or to Musa Sissoko 
or Tom Cleverly, who, you know, who was at United for longer than I can remember and say, Hey, we need to, we need to get, we need to get our uh, act together. You know, a couple of tough results here or there, or after a huge win against United say, Hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're it's not even December yet. You know, we have the likes, I believe their next couple of matches are Leicester, Chelsea city, maybe not in that order, but three, three, three of the big boys in a row, you know, if they, if, I don't be. I'm not surprised if they come away with with a, you know, with a surprise result somewhere there. But Ranieri, good decision on Watford's end. Yep. And speaking of good decisions, guys, the Saudi owners buying out Newcastle, three hundred plus million dollars to spend, do whatever they want, have fun, guys. Let's see what can happen, right? But the one thing that I've noticed, right, is I'm a little worried about them because they didn't bring in a board whatsoever. They don't have like a set board in. They don't have a director of football, but they have an Eddie Howe in. They thought, okay, right now we have a team where we're in a relegation dogfight. Uh, Steve Bruce, probably the worst manager to ever be in the Prem ever. Uh, can't manage team for the life of him. I, I'll be, oh, I'll be, be, be nice to Bruce. Dude. Be I, nice I to Bruce. He's such dude. a nice guy. He's a United legend, but he should not, like, just like Ole, they're interim managers. They should never be managing a team full time, personally. Like, I know that's that Expectations for him. Yes, but side and staying really for a year or two, then go back down. But he's not a terrible manager. He's just a low expectation, steady manager. But what I will say is that the great thing about appointing a man like Eddie Howe is that Newcastle needs to bring in quick talents that then they will perform. Eddie Howe is known very well to be able to recruit from like a local to like an EFL to a Premier League basis of. Okay, these players X, Y, and Z will work. He can get them for like a cheaper price. Like Cal Wilson, for example. No one thought that Cal Wilson could be a star-studded set, uh, striker in the Premier League. Like, and he got him for only three million dollars from Coventry City, if I'm not mistaken. And from there, he Cal Wilson like scored a phenomenal amount of goals at Bournemouth to get him up into the Prem. Has been a solid Premier League striker for the longest time. So Eddie Howe knows how to put those pieces together. But I'm just more concerned of the way Newcastle being run right now for Eddie Howe because I don't think he suits the way how the club wants to be run. He's just interim, man. He's just interim until they start spending a bunch of money and getting the quality players that they want to bring. He just needs to keep them in a decent position where they can attract players, okay? And that's all he needs to do. Again, another guy with low expectations, right? And then it's similar to... It's funny how you have Ranieri and then we're going into Eddie Howe because it's the same thing. It's a 4-4-2, man. On a tactical analysis, it's, and that's why, again, Kellen Wilson, it, everyone everyone loves him because, again, he's just a poacher. With, get it in the box, and he'll do what he can. Again, another guy, 10 to 15 goals. That's all you're going to need. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I look at Eddie Howe, Great at Bournemouth in his time and whatnot. Yeah. If you're a Newcastle side, first of all, I'd like to put my name in the hat for the director of football position if they're actually hiring. Um, in, in case the Newcastle owners are watching match week, uh, the Match Week podcast. Um, but I, I just sit there and I think if your objective is to be one of the big boys in England, is Eddie, is Eddie Howe going to help you be a big boy? No, fan, no, dis- no, no disrespect to Eddie Howe. He's, he's the type of manager that he's like David Moyes, right? Yeah. Always well, destined, right? 
always destined for one of those clubs that you're not expected to win the Prem title, but if you can compete for it, finish top four or five, you know, we're happy with you. If you can compete for the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, get us a Champions League spot, you're a legend here. He did it at Everton. He took Marijuana Fellaini, made him one of the best midfielders, one of the best players in the league. Um, didn't happen for Fellaini at United, but um, where, where he became a number nine suddenly. But he, look at, look at West Ham is one of the most entertaining sides to watch in the Prem right now. What, they're, they're flying. They're absolutely flying. Do I see Newcastle doing that? Honestly, I, I, he might bring a slightly better pl- uh, playing style, something maybe a little more attractive, maybe a couple new players. But, I mean, Eddie Howe versus, versus Bruce, I don't, I don't see the big difference. No, with no disrespect, he, he's a great manager, you know, maybe brings a more modern approach to the game. But honestly, I was kind of shocked. Like, listen, you're Newcastle, you're, you, you have all this money. Isn't is it like Zidane on the market? Yeah, but, you know, th- I think the offer, one thing we have to offer him, here. offer him ridiculous money, offer Terry Henry ridiculous money, offer one of these guys ridiculous money, bring them in and, and just walk. Bring Frank Lampard in and have him sign a half dozen players from some of the top teams uh, in England. You know, uh, from some, something exciting. Eddie Howe, no disrespect, isn't exciting. Well, I, on the I contrary, Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe knows how to build a midfield and an attack. He knows how to piece those two together. There, there has there has been some great moments with that, but the issue is. He was never able to build four, a defense. Four, two, man. He was no listen. Thing listen every time. May may please listen. <laughs> he does not know how to build a defense. On average, he would con- his Bournemouth team would concede around sixty-seven goals a season, just to show that they could never really piece together a great defense. He relied on the attack very heavily, and the issue we're going to see now is that a team like Newcastle is projected to concede eighty-two goals this season. And and even if let's say an Eddie Howe can bring them back up to only conceding sixty seven goals, that's still nowhere near where this team would need to be to be competing anywhere. So I I don't think Eddie Howe's a bad appointment. I just if if I were Newcastle fans, I wouldn't expect him to be the permanent guy. You want someone better. You want to have a better system in place. You want better players because realistically. This whole entire team is rancid. You could swap everyone out, but say Maximin and maybe Callum Wilson. Those are the two guys you're going to be relying on. Yeah, and I think I was, I personally, I, I, I got ahead of myself. I wanted this to be a FIFA career mode move mm-hmm. where they go in and they pull, they pull Diego Simeone from like Atletico Madrid, right? And Newcastle returns to, returns to the top of the Prem. They're fighting. Listen, I mean, all all of, all of this excitement was around this takeover, and I guess we're gonna have to wait another month or so to see what happens in the January market. But I, I feel like there was all this hype behind this takeover, and it surfaced to Eddie Howe looking underimpressed at his own press conference. You know, it. I think it was just underwhelming. You know, we were we were waiting for Zidane's beautiful bald head to walk. Uh, out into the press room, you know, and it didn't happen, you know, or someone That's exciting like for a while, like uh, like Andre Villas Boas, AVB, someone like yeah. who you don't expect, who he He's was, Russia, 
Uh, I, I I think now he might be a free agent now, which is like uh, he's, he's still he, at a club. He's still at a club. Chelsea, Spurs. He was Mourinho's protege, right? Like someone who, like you look at it and go, oh wow, I, I would have never thought of of AVB coming back. Eddie Howe. I, I I thought I thought he'd be managing like Stoke City. See, I I propose this for United. I think if you're any club right now and you need an interim to go into a director of football position, you go get a Ralph Ragnick. He stabilizes the team, figures out a plan for you. You throw him into director of football, and you have you bring in that big name manager. I think that's the solution for any team. But I know it's a Newcastle. It's it's obviously not going to happen. But this is what Newcastle needs right now. They need someone to come in, stabilize, make sure they don't get relegated, and then bring in the big guns. That's what they really need. It well, doesn't work over here, man. The coach being the technical director and all that—it just doesn't work. Anymore. Yeah, it's it, it's it's very very. Uh, Never you have to have the right environment for something like that to be successful, and you know you need places like. Listen, why does it work at Chelsea? Because their director of football or their players' manager, whatever you want to call him, is Peter Check. You know, Peter Check is the one that helps the board and Marina talk with Thomas Tuchel and the, and, and, and the players and the rest of the coaching staff. You have him in that kind of position where, realistically, Petr Cech, at 40 years old, can suit up and play for 75% of the uh, prem size right now. You know? It, it's just the truth. You know, you have a living legend at your club who's sitting in that role who turns to the board and says, hey, get Edward Mendy. This guy's a real deal. They pay next to nothing for him. And... He he has more clean sheets than he has goals conceded since he, since he uh, he arrived at Chelsea. You know, it's Equal. just thirty five and thirty five. Yeah, like it's it's unreal. You know, like when when you have Petr Cech saying something like that, you know, it's a little different. You have to have the right environment. Um, Newcastle, like you said, they they kind of brought in Eddie Howe. Like, hey, all right, man, and that little pat on the back. Good job. Let uh, good luck with this. Yeah, Newcastle, Newcastle would have been phenomenal. Phenomenal with like even a Rafa Benitez. I would have loved to see at Newcastle again. You know, he was there, but the issue is that is that again, he wasn't given the money, they they wasn't allowed to spend now. They have it, yeah, but yeah, but now now he's at Everton. What are you gonna do? I mean, we're gonna talk about him in a second because my boy Everton, baby, but I'm really excited. But before we go to Everton. We got to talk about Wolves. Wolverhampton Wanderers, Bruno Lage, a new guy on the scene. Lodge. He's new to the Pren. He's, he's, I think, realistically, he's only had one job prior to this, just like a Gerard, a Benfica. The team has been, like, pieced together a little bit, but, like, he's been missing players to injury. Um, that was Porto. No, it was Benfica. It was Benfica. Yeah, so... Yeah, he's... But Bruno Lage. The biggest thing that worries me about Bruno Lage right now is that he's benching a Dama Chaore, where we're seeing him match his numbers from last season at already at this point of the season, right? He's someone who's been exploding in how a lot of these teams have been playing and how a lot of them have been setting up now. He's been sort of like that monkey's wrench you could throw in, but yeah, he's not finding that game time. I think I'm a little worried for a Wolves because they haven't really been able to piece together a strong team that we've seen in years prior right when it comes to wolves it's underwhelming you know you let i'm sorry they're not called wolves uh portugal b oh yeah yeah Yeah, the portuguese the the portuguese national b team (laughs) is um you know i just look at it okay he's he's not 
he's not the youngest, you know, he's in his mid forties. He has experience, yeah, at Benfica, but Wolves, if I'm not mistaken, m- m- wanted to make a statement and kind of show that they w- need to be a regular in the Prem, want to be in the top half of the table, you know. So I- I'm going to wait before I before I judge Bruno Lage at all, it's for the simple fact that Wolves do do pretty well at pulling guy, you know, players and whatnot out of the unknown. And not to say it's the unknown. Listen, Benfica is one of the largest clubs in the world. You know, let's not let's not kid ourselves. It's Benfica. You know, he was there for a season or two. But I'm gonna wait because it can go really right or it can go really wrong. And I I guess, I guess we'll tell uh, with you know what happens here. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna jump I'm not gonna jump yet. I'm not gonna jump. I mean, he was able to win the the Portuguese league, the Primeira Liga f- from Porto. You know, that's that's something in itself, you know, so I mean, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I. I, I, t- I tend to, you know, Jose Mourinho, my favorite manager ever to this day in history. I have a thing for Portuguese managers, man. You know, I, I'm going to wait and see what this guy does. I'm going to wait and see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it comes from like their personality, I guess. And again, with with. You know, with Porto and things like that, you know, obviously everyone talks. He is a traditional four-four-two structure, I think, defensively. Um, so then they come back into that four-three, you know, one-two option there. So um, it's just curious to see what he's gonna do here. They were, you know, again in Portuguese league, a little bit more attack-minded, right? Not really defensive-minded. Premier League, a little bit more physical, tactically based in, in that aspect. So I'm curious to see what he does with it, with the width and the players that he has. I mean, you know, Portuguese players are going to be a little pacey, you know, good on the, really good on the ball. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to see what he does with it. Again, we're, we're talking about, you know, a couple of consecutive teams right now that not big expectations, man. So takes a little bit of the stress of the job off. Um, your job is just to kind of stir the ship right and then keep it there. So curious to see what he does uh, in the Premier League and how he transitions a lot of his tacky-minded stuff from, from Benfica to, to uh, Wolverhampton. I think it's okay, but again, it's it's very direct, which is normal in England, right? England is known for the long ball, so I think he's somewhere near like the six or seven long balls per game type of manager. So again, very direct, over the top, Pacey veterans in there as well, so he could see success with it with with the fresh mind in there. But again, you know, it's it's not aspiring to see um, like a Wolves team in seventh eighth place. I see, I see him, I see him top ten. You know, because you have, you have to look at with the reemergence of West Ham, Everton's going to fill in that spot. Leicester, you know, mm-hmm. ninth, tenth place. I mean, listen, I'm going to be very honest. His Ruben Neves or Neves Neves and João Moutinho, two of my favorite, two of my favorite midfielders in the league. I I, I love them. He was an absolute animal, you, you know. And it's wonderful to watch. You know, listen, it's just hard to figure out because recently they beat West Ham one 0 but lose to Crystal Palace. I think, you know. So it's like, you know, and I and I know. Uh, hopefully, we'll move on to Vieira in a sec, right? But I just like, I just look at it and say, you know what? It can go either way, you know. But once again, eighth to twelfth place, 
I think Bruno Lage will... He's he has the right team and he's the right kind of manager to finish this season out, test the water, see where they are. And listen, I, I'm not surprised if they pull in a couple players out of Port, the Portuguese league, oh, who yeah. you know, I'm you know, two three quality players, you know, maybe an unknown that ends up being pretty well. You know, he he knows the league. It's just that simple. Yeah, for sure. I mean, speaking about someone that knows the Premier League very well. We have talked about Patrick Vieira, right? At Crystal Palace, came in this season. He's had a few jobs before this. At Nice, it was sort of a miss NYCFC. It was a miss, and he worked with U19s for Man City, right? So I wouldn't really say NYCFC was a miss, but I mean, eh, it was it was okay. I mean, it was for, okay. The, for the MLS, okay. in order to be considered like a success coming into the Prem, at least winning the MLS Cup is seen as like okay, you did decent there, right? If we're talking about being a Premier League-level manager. But from what we've seen this season, he's sort of brought a refreshed, newly formed Crystal Palace team, right? They have gone through a little renaissance, and he's benefited from having the club poach some phenomenal players, right? Like, he got an Edward, uh, yeah, Edward from Celtic, picked them up yeah. out of nowhere, pulled him. Um, they have players who, let's say they're even injured right now. Other players, like a Conor Gallagher from Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken, on loan, who's been performing out of his skin. I think he has the most assists, um, um, most tackles and interceptions, most creative plays. Like he's all, He has supercharged numbers right now. And when we see someone new like a Vieira where, like it's Gerard right now. We don't know what to expect from this manager. What are we, what are we feeling from him right now? A lot of possession-based soccer. And that's what, that's what he's going to love, right? Um, he'll probably bring a 4-3-3 or he'll just go back into the traditional 3-4-3, 3-5-2 that we're seeing you know, and it's funny because football is it's a revolving door. The three four three three five two was big with my boys in the '80s. AC Milan really brought that to to light and dominated with that formation, right? And that's just how it works. I think he's a little bit different compared to everyone else. Um, they'll have the wingers on the width uh, as the seven and the eleven, but they'll just have them inverted and allow those attacking fullbacks to go further. Um, and just have those guys, you just have wingers of that nature, right? That like to come inside, like Zaha loves coming inside and getting his right foot around the ball. So, again, it's going to be a little normal just depending on what he wants to do. I think they should probably stick with the 4 3 3 because then they'll be able to attack in a better manner, in my opinion. I think with a what is it, a 3 3 3 1, you can label it like that, where you have those inverted weight gears in there and just helping out in that sense. But, um, it's going to be a little interesting. I think so. Uh, again, it's just, it's just that running theme. Crystal Palace was a little below average, right? They were a little lower than they should be. I think they're uh, on a good day, 12 to 16 team. You know what I mean? You, you'll see them in the Premier League. Um, they're going to have one of those games where they beat the big four, big five, if you want to call them that. It's out of nowhere, right? But... You're not expecting them to do them all the time. And I think as long as they beat up on those teams that are relegation ready and those teams that are below them, which is it'll be good. Uh, again, I see them in that 12 to 16 spot, actually, rather than that, that 8 to 12 area. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree and say I think they're 10th place-ish. Um, and the reason for this is here's a huge shout-out to Sam Allington. Um been a been a mate of mine for a while. He's uh he's playing for FDU now, the the college I'm the assistant coach at. 
Um, he he he's big old number nine kid from London, huge Palace fan. I, I have to hear him drone on and on and on about Palace all the time. Typically complaining, but right now they're sitting in tenth place, right? And yeah. I, I look at it and I think, all right, Mark Gahey, if I'm not mistaken, was the championship player of the year last year or the young player of the year. Kelsey Academy product. He's he's in his early twenties, beginning of his career, dominant center back. Good on the ball, good in the air. You know, he's the kind of player who you can have in your side for a decade. And, you know, I don't think he lasts at Palace that long. I think he'll get picked up by a, a bigger team. Um, you know, but then you look at Connor Gallagher, who you mentioned, who recently came out in an interview with Rio Ferdinand and said, you know, my goal is to get back in at Chelsea. You know, you know, quality player, elite mentality, you know, another one of uh, the, you know, another Cobham boy who, you know, like you said, performing out of his mind, again, even against some of the big boys, right? Uh, was it City where he had a very good game against City That's recently? Phenomenal against City. Um, okay. And then, like, you look at a front nine of Jordan Ayew, AU, whatever, Christian Benteke. As and, if you don't mind, just make sure you stay closer to the oh, mic. Sorry, so yeah. the audience can hear you well. So, no problem. I know, and they really do want to hear me, right? Um, <laughs> but, like, Jordan, Jordan AU, Christian Benteke, and one of my favorite players to watch is Wilfred Zaha. He's had it. He's had. He's had his drama. I'm leaving Crystal Palace. I'm staying. I'm leaving. I'm staying. I think they're the kind of squad that we spoke about earlier. Who they have a good mix of youth and experience, to where they, they, they can get. They can give us a couple upsets during the year, like like Arch said. You know, they'll give us a couple upsets. There's players who can help them play. You know, uh, Milvojevic. You know, Gallagher in the midfield with Kuyate. You know, that's that's a quality Prem midfield. And plus, the you have front line coming back from injury soon, which is going to be a yes, really interesting aspect. You know, now, the one thing I see is Palace conceding goals that they shouldn't be conceding. They, they're going to leak goals. They're going to leak goals. That's why you I know? think they're going to be less than 10th place, man. They're not, he's not a good defensive coach in that aspect. You know, yeah. And I think, and it's surprising that, like, I mean, it's it's Vieira, right? He's was was playing just, well just just about a decade ago, right? Just over a decade ago, he retired about a decade ago. Um, but the one thing I, I'm going to say is, listen, Benteke can finish in the box. People, he yeah. people either love him or hate him. But we'll, if if I'm Patrick Vieira, I turn to everyone and say, hey, get the ball into our midfielder's feet. Let them find our wingers. They're going to be they're, they're 1v1. They're stellar. They're going to find Benteke in the box. They're going to score goals. They're going to, they're not good. They're not going to thrill. You know, they don't, they're not going to have a million games where they're scoring three, four, five goals. But you know what? They're, they're going to do all right. They mid table for them that's successful, staying in the prem, being comfortable in the prem is, is their goal, I believe. You know, and listen, they're gonna pull results. I mean, they beat yeah, Man City got red carded, but they beat City recently. They tied Leicester. You know, they just uh, Burnley, who's hit or miss depending on the game. You know, a big three-three draw. So for them, you know, they're they're pulling results. They beat Spurs, who yeah, they're Spurs this year, but they beat Spurs three 0 Spurs and City and tying Leicester. For me, 10, 11th, even twelfth place is fair for them. You know, they finished ninth. Good on them. It's going to be those big games, yes. But like Arjun said, beat up on the beat up on those teams that you know that that are, are giving up. At, especially you know once we hit March, April, who know there's no chance of us staying up. Um, 
you know, Vieira, Crystal Palace, they'll be okay. They're they're uh, they're gonna be prem stalwarts. They'll be here for a while. I think before we move on from Vieira, the one thing I do have to give him credit for is that he's been very risky with his with the way how he's been rotating and putting players on because he's been able to find a well balanced way of having Benteke and Eduard perform at the same time. Right, like they're two players who. Uh, are expected to be starting number nines. Benteke, we've seen him in the past at a villa where, excuse me, sorry, at a villa where he was playing phenomenally, 15 plus goals. Goes to Liverpool, struggles a little bit, but obviously has that iconic bicycle kick against United, right? All these players always make a moment. And then at a, at like a, at a place like Crystal Palace, he's been struggling a little bit in and out, but now we see him sort of rotate around, uh, be like in and out with some other players. And we've seen Vieira just be very experimental with this team where a lot of the managers would just try to play safe. Like, oh, I want to keep this job. I want to make sure we stay up. Like, he's been very, very risky. And I, I think he does deserve credit for that. Then Tech has just been utilizing correctly. Aston Villa, he's your hold-up nine. Liverpool, they want to get him in behind. It's not his game. It's just not his game. Same thing with Crystal Palace. That forward, 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 long ball over the top. It's not him. He's a holding nine. Utilize him that way, and you're gonna have great success with him. Which we're seeing now. Yeah, totally. yeah. I, I, personally, personally, I'm a Benteke fan. I I like watching the guy play. He's a good, big old fashioned number nine. Give him the ball. Let let him be marked. Let let there be a guy in his back. He's gonna turn the defender. He's gonna mm-hmm. slot a winger through. He's gonna turn, beat the guy. You know, put a shot on goal. He's, you know, he's going to hold the ball up for your 10 or your 8 to come and get it. He's, he, he, he's, he's a quality prem forward. You know, he's someone who's going to grab your 10, 15 goals, hopefully. And uh, Palace will be okay. Palace will be okay. 10, 15 goals from him. Double digits with Zaha in terms of assists and goals together. Yeah, so. yeah goal contributions will be, they play yeah. a big part. I mean, yeah. It's- and, 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 that's all you need. That's that's mid table, right? Two players to pull, you know, to pull uh, some magic out. You know, Connor Gallagher doing his job from the back, uh, from the midfield. You know, stringing some things through, uh, some pa- stringing some passes in the midfield, slotting them through. You know, Jordan Ayew, good for half for half a dozen goals a year. But Palace will be okay. They they have they have the weapons going. Fo- they have the weapons going forward. I'm not worried for them. And you see Bessel's 9 10 place. You don't drop the yeah. quickly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, totally. I mean, speaking about being a winner and looking like a winner, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, ITA Sports, where if you want to be on that pitch, you have to look like a winner first to win a game. Am I right? So let's just take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Hello, guys. How are we doing today? I'm sorry. I know I had to stop the podcast and give you guys an ad read. Ugh, already stop it. Look, I have something very important to tell you about, okay? We are sponsored by ITA Sports. Yes, that's right. ITA Sports. Now, you guys are wondering, what's an ITA Sports? What do they offer for you? Well, they're a local business uh, based out of Booton, New Jersey, where they're on Booton Main Street, if you guys even want to check them out. And what they are is a place where you can either get some cool, uh, different apparel than your like average Adidas or Nike, Under Armour, Puma, that jazz. And they go more with like the Oreas, the Yomas, the Hummel. And how can we forget the Umbro? Guys, they have way more to offer than I can even list off. 
All you have to do is go to itasportshop.com. That's itasportshop.com. I-T-A-S-P-O-R-T-S-H-O-P.com. And if you're a team or a business, local business, any team, they actually do wholesale apparel orders for you. As you can see on screen if you're viewing, but if you're listening, I'll describe it even better. They make apparel that is best and fitting for you, that is comfortable. And even so, sometimes the price is better than what you'll get from actually trying to get an Adidas or a Nike or anyone else. And all you have to do is just go to itasportshop.com. And now, guys, hey, you know what? In the future, they might have some promos or some more stuff for us to give away and work with. But we have to see how we do this episode for the ad. So please go check it out. Go see it because they have really cool stuff to offer. I'll see you guys later. Bye. And we are back from our little commercial break. A little ad read went on, you know. I'm like all good with it. You know, promoting our, promoting our ITA sports. We love them, you know, always helping us out over here. Uh, but to continue on, talking about someone who's trying to help others out, we have Rafael Benitez at Everton. And... I, I think there's no need for an introduction with him, right? We all know he's a top-class manager. He's, like, won the La Liga twice, FA Cup, Community Shield, Champions League, Champions League runner-up, as Arja would know, from back playing against Milan, won the Europa League, EFL Championship as well, Supercopa, FIFA World Cup, you name it, man's done it, right? FIFA Club World Cup, sorry. Like, he's he's been all over with the way how he's coached and managed teams. Uh, so what do we think with him being appointed to Everton this time around? Back in Merseyside, but except it's blue and not red. Personally, personally, listen, I'm a Chelsea fan. I, I'm supposed to be nice to our former managers, but it's, I'd be lying if I said it's easy in this case, because when was the last time Everton won a match? When was the last time Everton won a match is, is the one thing I have to ask. You know, it's. Uh, already, I don't know if you want to go and check that. I don't think they've won a match in like in like a month and a half or something like that. You know, it's has been great. I think of Benitez and I think of what's his playing style when he was at Chelsea. Four two three one. Yeah, he he's gonna, he, he he's the kind he's of manager that's going to come out and say, "All I, right." I have an answer for you. His last win was September twenty fifth against Norwich, and then it's been a draw. Loss, 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 draw. He just drew against Tottenham, and then he lost against Man City 3-0. So, Love it. honestly speaking, you look at it, of all these managers, Benitez up there with Ranieri, most experienced, right? You never know anything about Benitez. He's always going to be a character. He's always going to be a very polarizing figure. I mean... He's someone who said, I love Liverpool, and then went to the other side of Merseyside, you know? Um, probably going to draw big-name players. Probably going to be able to draw some players to the club. Um, you know, he's he's about the... Right nowadays, he's that caliber. He's that caliber of coach. Um, I don't see... I don't think he's good enough to manage any of the, any of the, big, uh, the big six or so in England. Um, it's... I just don't know what to say. You know, I just don't see Everton. Everton are, or they wish they were, what West Ham is now. You okay, know, and Everton, what's what's what I do have to say, Everton's been suffering from a lot of injuries, and it's a lot of trying to rotate, find new players, deal with stuff. Because 
Um, Rafael Benitez wasn't left this, with the squad with the best shape after Carlo Ancelotti, right? He Ancelotti left. He's like, oh, I'm done here. I don't care anymore about what's going to go on. You figure it out. And he went over back into Italy, right? So he's sort of been trying to, like, put the puzzle together from different puzzles, you know? He's getting pieces from different puzzles and trying to put it into his own puzzle, you know? It's been very difficult. Yeah, I just think there's the one player I really think needs to get out of there, and that's Richarlison. Um, anyone that knows me knows I'm a massive Richarlison fan. Uh, you know, listen, the fact that he's on an underperforming Everton team and continues to get calls up to the Brazilian national team says something about him. You know, the, the, the national team staff see something in him. You know, I, I see him in a very... I'm not comparing to Mbappe's level or ability, but a very similar type of player. Possibly being a little more physical, right? I think Richarlison is suffering in this Everton side. If you put Richarlison on any, any of the six or seven top teams in it, put him on West Ham. Put him on West Ham. He's really scoring well. two, three types, uh, two, three times the number of goals. Um, he's a quality player suffering in this system. No offense to Andros Townsend, but how much help is Andros Townsend going to be? Or Fabian Delph, who spent years playing left back at City under under Pep, you know, slot him into the midfield behind poor Richarlison, and what are you going to get? You know. I, I don't I see I honestly think Everton might start to st- trend downwards. You know, I think what Everton was for a very long time in that team that was just outside the pack that you had to be very scared of is now West Ham. You know, I see West Ham as that eighth team in England that really, you know, can pop up in an FA Cup final and you and be very hard to beat. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Everton's lost Everton's lost their swagger. Right, there's no more uh, James McLean. There's no more of this uh, marijuana Fellaini and whatnot. You know, like the, the it's just ED road no more. Oh, you know, there's there's a lot yeah, of this. There's Coleman's there's... old as well. You know what I mean? Leighton Baines is no longer there. Yayelka. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about fantastic veterans, fantastic players there in their prime, and you know there was that top six squad where. Lukaku shine, Barkley shine, and everyone that was there shine. It was Rudy came back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. I mean, we don't want to talk about. had Lennon, Morellas as well. I mean, what a, what a squad that was in the first place. But in terms of Rafa Benitez, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? There's there's no revolution behind his game. It's the same four two three one. You're gonna get every single time. Same tactics. Tactics. You're gonna get found out. I mean. Yeah, he's extremely successful at Liverpool in the beginning. Um, you know, had an had an amazing squad with him as well. And um, but again, over the years, you're gonna get found out, and that's what I think Mourinho is going through as well. You know what I mean? The, the special one is getting found out as well. So I think he's in that in that in that sense of managers that are just keep getting found out and need to adapt their game and change a little bit. Um, again, offensively, it's it's the same thing over and over again with the four two three one. Again, wider position crossing, which is not really Everton's type of deal. Again, counterattacks, long balls forward over the top, aggressive in that sense is what Everton's used to. Um, and then again, defensively, you're looking at a four-five-one or a three-four-three is how they come into the block on a four-two-three-one. So 
Uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, he was trending downward at Newcastle because prior to that, he was at Real Madrid and fired in three months, man. So it's. I think Newcastle I mean, is a different story because the owners at the time, they didn't want to give him anything to work with. Again, yeah, of course. Like, and you mentioned that before, and I, I understand. But again, with a manager of that caliber, it doesn't matter. You can take a couple scrubs and make it happen. Your boy Alex Ferguson did it in a final. And won. Yeah, but after so, so long, Benitez, he brought him back up from the championship. He did so much for that team where it gets to a certain point where if you're going to keep selling, selling, selling players, have no one come up from the youth academy, not bring in any players, he's going to struggle. And like, for example, we see with this Everton team, he's been struggling with injuries. He's been struggling with the likes of uh, Gilfie Sigerson going through some things off the field to take him like I understand, but I mean a great you know? a great stat that I actually read today was it was absolutely hilarious in in regards to AC Milan in the hundred and five games that Stefan Pioli has had for AC Milan, he has had three matches I think where he's had full availability of his squad and who he wants to pick with already this season. He's had two games with nine players out, four games with eight players out, six games with five starting players out. So, and guess what? They got their first loss of the of the year last week, in the, in the league. It doesn't matter, man. When you're that caliber of a coach, you got to figure it out. I'm sorry, but it's the same thing over and over again. You got to change. You have to revolutionize. Your game's gonna be found out, and you're gonna get exposed. And you're turning an Everton squad that's sixth to eighth place into something that's not looking too hot. And the project's just gonna get worse and worse. And I understand that Ancelotti might have. I left the team as as great as he had wanted it, but you you can't complain. You still have fantastic players in that squad. I'm sorry. Again, we just spoke about Richarlison. Fantastic player. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, a guy that's going to give you 10, 15 goals. Okay. He's now injured. Yeah. Again, you got to find the next person steps up, even if it's behind you. It's your job. You got to be able to do something like that. And in terms of that sense, I mean, Andre Gomez as well, dude. Fantastic midfielder. You know, so I feel for you, but you, you got to figure it out. You have to. And he's used to having firepower and star power, and it's time to get used to not being there anymore. Yeah, I to piggyback off that, right, I think Rafa is the type of manager who... I'm, and I'm telling you this now, 20 years from now, when I'm 45 years old in the Prem, they're going to pull up this podcast and they're going to attack me about this when uh, when I'm on the brink of losing my first uh, Prem job. All right. So remember that. Timestamp it. <laughs> Rafa is the type of manager who you need to bring in to steady the ship at a big club. Okay, Simeone leaves and no one's available at Atleti. You bring Rafa in, manage the superstars, calm them down, get them to keep doing what they're doing. Or you bring him to a struggling side who has fallen off like a Newcastle in the championship, who you need to come in, set the standards, kind of give the give the young uh, give the younger generation of uh, players who think they're all superstars a kick in the butt. You know, bring some of the old school back into it. I don't see him as someone who's going to adapt and revolutionize or come up with something brand new to really kickstart a club and have them go from mid table to top. Right? I don't. I don't. See, yeah. They call what your special sauce. I don't see him having the same specials. We talked. We spoke about Ranieri. 
he was at Leicester. He he was probably I think you mentioned it last week, right? He was probably the special sauce and all that. And what he was able to pull out of his players and have them fight and die for each other on the field yep. and kind of get them clicking and running on all cylinders. I look at Rafa and I don't think the Everton job suits him. I still think, listen, his resume speaks for itself. His accolades are longer than a list of ingredients in most of the food we eat, right? So Rafa Benitez, he's someone who you know what you're going to get. But I don't think Everton's the the place where they're going to get it. He's someone that had an arsenal, right? Where I think if he was Arsenal, they might kill him after being a Liverpool at Everton and whatnot. But well, hey, M- Mourinho has been at Chelsea twice, and he he's now been at United and Spurs as well, and he's on his second uh, Serie A team now. So, you know, one day I won't be surprised if he ends up at Barcelona. So, money is money, man. And you know, need a job and, at some point. Yeah, Mourinho's worth, what, 95, 100 million euros for that reason. Uh, Good for him. Love that man. But anyway, you know, I see Benitez as Arteta leaves. Benitez is the type of manager you need to bring in at an arsenal. They're not going to be able to draw and pull in a Zidane or someone, even like an Antonio Conte. Spurs are lucky to have Antonio Conte. He's... He's the kind of manager that should be at an Inter Milan, at a Chelsea, at an Atleti. You know, he's no offense to Spurs, no offense to them. Brand new stadium. The squad isn't what he had at Inter or what he's what he's had at Chelsea or Juve. You know, it's just my opinion. I'm a I'm just a I'm I'm just a guy with with some headphones on speaking in, on a podcast right now. I'm not an expert, but for me, Benitez. Not the right fit. I just don't think it's the right fit. Not 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 a bad manager. Not a bad club. Not the right fit. And again, when you, when you're coming up from the championships of the Premier League, getting that big money coming up. So I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that issue. You get. Oh, they, oh, you get they have money. they have money. Yeah, all all these. You know I mean? Yeah, but Newcastle, all these clubs have I, money. But it, just to tie a knot in that Newcastle talk, right? It's that I think Newcastle's finally happy to get out of. This Mike Ashley ownership, where it was like very toxic ownership of the stadium, never really being taken care of, the training ground starting to deteriorate, the money just being drained out of the club, uh, sponsorships just coming in because he's like part owners or something like that. I I think it was just Newcastle was suffering from terrible ownership, and now it it's like you know what we just spoke about with Eddie Howe. Now they have like a whole bunch of money to spend and reinvest in the whole entire club if they do it right. So I think Rafa went at Newcastle too at the wrong time. Whereas if Rafa Benitez came in now, it'd be a different story, you know, where he'd be more fortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's too late. Newcastle fans already hate uh, Benitez. You know, Rafa is basically Satan uh, at Newcastle at this point, uh, which I feel for him, you know. But he's a polarizing figure. You know you know what you're getting with uh, Rafa. Half the fans, half the supporters are going to uh, like him. The other half are going are to wish they didn't know who he was. So, Usual. you know, Everton, I don't think he, he lasts. I Maybe the season, maybe. But a year's time from now, we'll, we'll be on a podcast again talking about a new set of managers. And Benitez's name will be probably at some other club. Well, that's mm-hmm. the issue, right? We talk about all these new managers and people who can get and stuff like that. And... In recent talks, they're always throwing up a Zidane and stuff like that. But realistically, 
I don't ever see a Zidane coming to an England. Personally, I think he either goes to the PSG. The only, the only spot he can go to in England is United because of the attacking football. That's yeah, it. but no he doesn't else. speak English. He doesn't care about no. living in England. He doesn't like the weather. His family doesn't want to move. Like These are things we don't take into consideration sometimes, right? And Zidane, he's not going to care about learning the English yet, but a PSG who supposedly he's going to take over after Pochettino have a lot of money too. I think he goes to PSG. I don't. Yeah. I, I would never say no. Listen, yeah, having no Zidane, having happens, Z- Zidane and Messi on a poster together, come like, yeah, you know, let's be real. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I don't, he's a PSG. United is one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, there's very few clubs that can hold the same stature as United does. You know, and once again, it pains me to say that I, I'm lifelong Chelsea supporter, but it's the truth. You know, being able to manage at the theater of dreams. Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson giving you a call. I don't care who you are. You could be Zinedine Zidane. With no disrespect to Zidane, well, Ferguson is amongst man amongst managers in history. Zidane is up there, but Zidane, Ferguson's arguably the greatest to ever do it. He he's the Tom Brady of managers. All right, um, Zidane arguably he's he's my favorite to ever play the play, ever play the game, to ever grace the pitch. He's been amazing, a legend. But Sir Alex Ferguson gives you a call, you come running. Mourinho did. Huh. Mourinho took that job, and he flir- and, and he did much better than he probably should have with that United squad. When Ferguson calls you, when Ferguson calls you, you know it's either you answer or he throws a hair dryer at you. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple, you know. Yeah, so I, Zidane probably I mean, ends up at a PSG, yeah, a City. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at City once Pep's out. You know, it's it'll happen. It'll happen. Zidane's not done. He's not going to go to Real for his third stint yet. Maybe in a decade. Yeah. But yeah, he's. Nothing. I think he's pretty much done with Real Madrid in, in yeah. that sense. No, but he, he he'll be successful at these other clubs. I'm certain of it. Yeah. Uh, sure. He he he's going to play good good attacking football, and he's able to manage all these personalities. That's Zidane's strong suit. When Zidane comes up to you and, and tells you and, and criticizes you. What are you gonna to turn to Zidane and say, "Show me if you if you know better"? Yeah, he will. He'll probably do it better than you can. You know, it's it's Zidane Zidane. You know, it's he'll be okay. But you know, and let's be real, he's never managing in Everton. I'm sorry to all of the Merseyside uh, Merseysiders listening to this. You're not getting Zidane. Yeah, never, no, never. No. Um, but speaking about be there being a never I think Norwich never won any game in the Prem is very likely, right? Um with them just picking up Dean Smith who just left Villa. It's the Dean Smith, I, I think unless he gets that backroom staff he has and he somehow does miracle work with this Norwich team, it's it's automatic relegation. Like there's no there's no Timu Puki to try and save you this time around. He's not performing. Rashika barely not like gelling well to the Premier League. Our U.S. Hey, our, our fellow American Johnny Sargent, come on! He's trying. He's getting a couple goals here and there, scoring, but it's not enough. I don't think this team's gonna make it. I don't think they're gonna make it through. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, but, I mean, but look at it. Not. I mean, but look at it, right? Norwich, who first of all, Dean Smith, absolutely disrespectful. What happened to him at Villa? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It did a good job. I, I everyone. Who knows me knows I'm a diehard John Terry supporter. Will be till the end of time. You know, if John John Terry 
the stories he tells of Dean Smith and what Dean Fantastic. Smith did to, to steady the ship and bring Villa into the Prem and hold them steady in the Prem isn't talked about enough. You know, it's he, he did a good job. He, you, you look at some of the results some of these other managers are pulling. You know, how is Benitez still at Everton? If Dean Smith gets let go for losing a couple of matches at Villa, how, how is Benitez still at Everton? You know, I mean, and when you look at it, Leicester's on seven points more and they're halfway higher up the table than Norwich is. It's a couple of results. At New Year's, once we've played another five matches, anything can turn. You know, maybe it's a rejuvenated squad, a new manager, the hopes of some money being uh, some money being splashed in the January transfer market. You know, there's a lot that can happen. And their schedule, you know, you have Norwich, Newcastle, Spurs, United, Villa. You know, five, six matches where teams are so-so right now, okay form, but winnable matches, you know. And I I really wish Dean Smith the best. You know, they beat Southampton recently. I was happy to see that. Um, you know, I obviously have a bit of a soft spot for them, considering Josh Sargent. Um the Albanian who represents the Kosovo national team, Rashika, yeah. you know, Puki has one of the greatest songs of any footballer alive, you know. Most definitely. He's, once again, though, Billy Gilmore, young, quality. Billy Gilmore picked up a man-of-the-match performance in, in his Champions League, Premier League, and FA Cup debuts for Chelsea. Yeah. He's someone who's going to be a staple in the Chelsea lineup that's, that's for, uh, in the I, next few I, I years. I'd say for Dean Smith, he does have some talent to work with, right? He has the Max Aarons at right back who's been who's been on the radar for a lot of clubs for a long time. He has yeah. the likes of a Brandon Williams from United who's been putting in starting performances and now he's on loan at Norwich and trying to do his best. And he has the likes of a uh, Norman who's been trying to do well in that defensive mid role. Uh, Billy Gilmore, as we talked about. Um... Even a, like Tapuki or Rashika. Todd Cantwell is finally going to make his resurgence back into this team, right? Because he had a falling out with Daniel Fark and how um he was uh, sort of demoted to the U23s. And now we're going to see a, a big talent like him get back into the team. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent there. It's just the issue of getting them to turn it, turn it around, right? I, I yeah. think he'll be able to turn it around, honestly. I forgot what the squad even looked like, so I just had to pull him up real quick, and I well, totally well, forgot how well-balanced they actually are. They have Tim Krul in net. I mean, what else do you need? Hold, <laughs> you know, yeah. hope for the best. Anyone goes through one goal, you trip him from behind, give up a pen, Tim Krul saves it, you hit on the counter, Billy Gilmore yeah. slots a perfect through ball, Pookie scores, you win 1-0. I mean... Yeah. They might as well give me the job, you know, get Dean Smith out of there, hire me. I just gave you a a win a Premier League winning strategy. Wait, give wait, Pookie the ball. Yeah, wait, I mean Besmir, when, you, when you say like get Dean the, Smith out of there, do you mean D Smith the goalkeeper or Dean Smith the manager? Because there's two Dean Smiths on their roster. <laughs> oh, both of them. <laughs> both, both, both of them. About, both I of mean, them. it looks it looks pretty good in retrospect, right? Uh it, now that you're really looking at I mean Ozan Kabak, I mean is obviously injured right now, but you know, getting him into the squad and Grant Hanley, I like those center backs right there. Brandon Williams on the left would be nice. Max Ben Gibson, right. I, I like Ben Gibson. Yeah, I like him a lot. Ex- experienced, you know, he's yeah. going to get the job done in the prem. And he'll hold the line. Hopefully, and then that's the biggest thing about holding the line in these in this type of play now. I like the Billy Gilmore. I like Todd Cantwell. I'm a little bit of a fan of him. Um, I like him on the left. 
And then, yeah, again, you got Rashika, Sergeant, Pookie. I mean, it looks good as to what he's going to be trying to do anyways, right? Again, with the those nice forwards and Brandon Williams and Aaron's on the right and the left, uh, you know, it's going to be great with pushing up that further. Um, he's going to ask a lot of the midfielders, and that's where Gilmore and um, Cantwell are going to have to really provide that attacking threat because that's what made Graylish and uh, that's what Graylish as good as he was and why they spent so much for him. But in in retrospect, you're looking at what Graylish and, and uh, who was it, McGinn, right, that were there. Um, during that, that prolific time that they were, they were the highest dribblers, I think, in the Premier League during that time. So... He's not looking to ask a lot of his forwards other than just being the box and score, but he's going to ask a lot of those midfielders. So, and they're and they're young. Um, do I, I I think this is a pretty good spot for him, and, and I think a little bit different than Villa, but it seems like he could still get the job done, especially with the young guys that we just named off that were all twenty one to twenty three years old. Man, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's fantastic with those young guys and that young core all on loan looking to play minute after minute after minute um, and that consistency in there. Um, get back like two injuries they have again, get get Ozon, Ozon back, and it looks like a pretty decent squad, I, again, with his traditional 4-3-3 or 4-3-3-1. 4-2-3-1, sorry, it's, it's what he played at Aston Villa anyway. So um, just going to look into getting those crosses into the box with Pookie. Pookie. Again, Pookie's a poacher. That's what we saw in that little bit of a run that he had. And, you know, these types of managers love poachers, um, even though they're not Inzaghi, the greatest poacher of all time. But I'll just leave that there. Um, but I, I can see him succeeding with Norwich and getting them out of relegation them and keeping them in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I mean, where I think they will be successful or can be successful is you have a couple players that can pick out a pass uh, in the midfield yeah. I would almost say a front line of Cantwell, Josh Sargent, and uh, Rashika, right? With the likes of, I, I can speak for Billy Gilmore because I've seen him play. He's a similar type of player to a Fabregas, right? Where the quick transition, win the ball back, first pass, can we play the ball forward? Play that through ball, you're going to have Pacey, of Pacey front three. You know, I think they'll catch a lot of teams on the back foot. You know, quick transition, get the ball up the pitch, see if we can isolate our wingers against fullbacks, you know, see if we can slot, you know, our forward in. Realistically speaking, I, I think I think they survive. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Norwich is the team that survives from the current teams in relegation. That, that, was, the, and, that was my question I was about to say. Uh, for just to sort of, like, put the... Tie a nice little bow on this episode. Out of all the managers we mentioned, who we who do we think is going to perform the best with their teams at this current moment? Just as like a slight little prediction, something I could flash back to in a future podcast and say, "You're smart," or "Wow, you were dumb." Why I didn't even invite you? Um, <laughs> just this is a nice little clip I could pull back. You know, who we think is going to we're going to perform the best out of the managers we mentioned? Because we have Steven Gerrard, Antonio Conte, Claudio Ranieri. Uh, Eddie Howe, Bruno Lage, Patrick Vieira, Rafael Benitez, and Dean Smith. I have a question. Are we allowed to say ifs? If if Antonio Conte is backed by Spurs, I think he'll eclipse like what Arsenal is at right now. I think 
for him, success is fifth place. Exceeding expectations, fourth place. Um, but when I look when I look at the managers we've spoken about, it's it, honestly it's hard. I mean, you I'm know, gonna, I'm gonna go with Gerard. Yeah, I might. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Gerard and Aston Villa. I think I'm just going to be the one outside of the box. I'm going to pick Patrick Vieira for uh, Crystal Palace. I think he might be able to do something with them. And, I mean, in which case, uh, as much as I want to say, I mean, I know I don't want to say anyhow, but I think it would be absolutely hilarious if he proved everyone wrong and yeah. somehow managed to pull Newcastle out of relegation. I mean, six points, 12 matches. You know what? Hey, I'm taking a risk. I'm going to say, hey, screw it. I'm going Eddie Howe, Newcastle. They, they go out and, and they buy Messi from PSG in January. And Newcastle, Newcastle turns around, wins FA Cup, and finishes top four. But, no, I, I'd love to see Newcastle do that. But, I mean, I still don't think it's going to happen. I want to say, I want to say Spurs finish. No, I'm going to go Wolves. I'm going to go Bruno Lage. Unknown entity. I have no idea who this man is, so I'm gonna put my I'm, so I'm gonna put my faith in him. You know, hey, listen, the last time an English club pulled out a recent champion from Portugal, I mean, every time they do it, they seem to be pretty damn successful. So, yeah. Bruno's got Bruno. Uh, the Portuguese national B team has my vote. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Aston Villa. I think. Gerard's going to do some pretty good things with them. I think they're set up pretty good defensively and and as well in the midfield. I think in this winter transfer tar, uh, transfer season, we'll probably see them pick up an attacker or two even. Um, and honestly, I, I think they look like the side to me that will probably prove a couple people wrong. And again, Gerard had a good record in Scotland. Again, I just don't know if it'll transfer over. But just seeing that first game, it looked, it looked pretty well. It looked a lot more structured. So curious to see how it ends up. But I think... In terms of current position, it should be okay. And, you know, maybe a surprise here or there. Maybe that's the dark horse. Yeah, sounds great, guys. Really appreciate it. Any final thoughts? Anything else you guys want to talk about? Because I am more than happy to, you know, wrap it up if you're more than welcome to. Yeah, well, I'm just going to go out there and say uh, none of these guys are Thomas Tuchel. Um, and we're done. I'm, I'll be sure. Continue, <laughs> continue, continue. Uh, now, I just want to say... Thomas Tuchel came into Chelsea and did exactly what Chelsea needed. Didn't try to make drastic changes. Brought some energy, rejuvenated the squad. I mean, let, let's be real. Yeah, they bought Lukaku, who hasn't done much so far this season. He pulled a couple goals. All right, great. But he was able to find a system that fit Chelsea, one that worked with the squad, something that made them serious again. He took them from maybe not qualifying for the next round of the, of the Champions League to winning the whole thing with the best defensive record we've ever seen aside, you know, four goals conceded, you know, and now having only conceded six goals this far into the Prem and, you know, I think Antonio Conte can do something similar at Spurs, uh, but th- sometimes it takes a lot more just common sense then some of these managers try to revolutionize the game. You know, Xavi steps into Barcelona. Those 10 rules that have been circulating the internet. How, how crazy are those rules? Great, you're a professional footballer. Show up 90 minutes before training. Whoa, whoa, man, what a shame. Like, 
come on, man. You know, they laughable. Sense, yeah, it really is. Y- y- you know, it's it's simple stuff. You know, and and you really have to start to th- wonder: do we do we maybe put too much blame on the manager sometimes, and maybe the players just have to start performing a bit more in in, in a world where social media runs rampant? Are we too quick to blame the managers for everything? You know, the managers we spoke about, the six, five, six of them are well re- reputable, you know, experienced. I guess being, you know, a, a coach, manager myself, it's, I'm quick to defend other ones. But let's just say I'm curious to see how these guys do. I think, uh, you know, I think we'll ha- there'll be some surprises in store. But as always, Super thankful for the opportunity to be out here and speak last uh, for a very long. I, I think we made up for the for the fifteen minute <laughs> podcast I had the first time around. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to tell our viewers. I hope how how late we've shot this podcast at night. Yeah, this is the second um, episode in the row in a row to film late. Um, uh, it's been tough not having the studio available right now with them being closed. I, I love it, but as 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 we say. Guys, I'm very thankful. Thank you so much for coming on, talking to the fans, giving me a different perspective. Very much appreciate it. Um, I hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. Um, Manchester United, best team in the world. Can't tell me otherwise. And (laughs) I'll see you guys next week. Have a great time. Peace. Thank you. Be well. And a quick plug for North Jersey Football Club and ITA Sports. Thanks. Have a wonderful night. Give them a little love. All right. Bye, guys. Peace. Bye-bye.